counsellor or a psychotherapist wanting to attract more clients more simply, then you, lovely person, are in the right place. Because I'm here to help you navigate marketing and remove any confusion and overwhelm that you might feel. Oh, and ditch that critical, nagging inner voice too. So each week I'll offer you inspiration, motivation and practical advice so you can get your marketing done and then get on with your life. I'm Jane Travis and welcome to the Grow Your Private Practice show. It's great to have you here. Hi and welcome back. And if it's your first time here, I'm so glad that you found us. I hope you're well. I hope you're having a good day. And I'm delighted to say that today we've got the fabulous Sarah DeSinge here, who's kindly agreed to come back and join me in a conversation all about consistency. Because consistency when building your practice is, well, yeah, it is important, but it might not be what you expect it to be. So if you don't know Sarah, she's actually a counsellor and psychotherapist and she works exclusively with binge eating. Now, if you find her online, you'll find her on Instagram and YouTube, both under the name The Binge Eating Therapist. So go and check her out. She's also written a book. Um, called I Can't Stop Eating. And she also, and you might be interested in this, she offers professional training for other therapists, including things like how to set up therapy groups. So I'll add those details to, you know, somewhere around this recording so you can go and check her out and, um, and connect with her. Now, we chat about the reality of consistency. So we look at the gold standard, we look at the worst case scenario, and we look at the drive for perfection and what the reality actually is. And we also share lots of tips for you to help you to work out basically what's best for you because we're all different and that's kind of the important thing. And actually, just before just before I start, I want to share a funny story because I've been giggling about this. Now, if you receive my Thursday emails, you know that they come out pretty much and it's only once or twice a year that they don't come out on a Thursday morning. So they come out every single Thursday morning. I mean, it's a routine that I'm in. I do this consistently and I always have. I either prepare it beforehand or sometimes I'll prepare it on the actual morning, really depending on how organized I'm being at that time. Now, I record, <laughs> it does make me smile. I recorded this podcast with Sarah early on a Thursday morning and then I had to dash out to MOT my car and Basically, my Thursday morning email didn't go out, which, which was quite a big thing. You know, this is something that doesn't normally happen. So it went out a day late. It went out gasp on a Friday instead of the Thursday. Now, why did this happen? Well, it happened because I hadn't prepared in advance. And I hadn't prepared it in advance because I'd had my COVID booster and I got some fluy symptoms. So I got the shivers and I didn't feel very well. I went to bed really early. So I made the executive decision to rest and take care of myself, which is actually you know, just basic self-care, isn't it? So my email, which normally goes out consistently, didn't go out because I was recording a podcast all about consistency. <laughs> That just makes me laugh. I mean, you couldn't make it up, could you? Anyway, enough of that. Let's have a little word with Sarah. And I think you're going to enjoy this one. Hi, Sarah. It's really great to see you again. How are you doing? I am very well. Thank you, Jane. Thanks for inviting me. You know, I love coming on here and talking to you about the stuff. 
Well, it's my absolute pleasure. And I'm really, really excited that you're coming to talk with us today a little bit more about consistency, because it's a subject that's really close to my heart. And I think it's a subject that so many people can get caught up in and beat themselves up about. So, and I know I've talked to you in a, you know before about how we both do consistency. So I think it might be really, you know, interesting for people to hear. So, uh, so yeah. I was just going to say, yes, how we do consistency and also how we don't do consistency. If me 10 years ago had known, Jaden, that I would be on a podcast talking about consistency because my story all my life has been I'm not a consistent person because I start stuff, I stop stuff. I'm the person who spent hundreds of pounds on a digital camera and a photography course and then halfway through the course just gave up. That has always been such a part of my identity that for me, like, I like talking about this stuff because, yeah, I've had a whole mindset switch on that. So anybody listening to this who doesn't see themselves as consistent, I think the first thing I want to say is consistency, it can be learned. It's a skill. Exactly. And consistency isn't always what we think. You know, sometimes we think, and I think the gold standard of consistency really is setting a time, setting time aside each week to do our, you know, our, our social media or blog posts or whatever. So setting time aside each week, planning it advance, posting consistently, putting engaging content out there, um, you know, posting on this day and that day. That I think that's what people sometimes see consistency as, don't they? Yeah, and sometimes I meet people like that as well. So I did a, I went on as a guest on this YouTube channel and we did the recording in August and she releases two videos a week. And she said to me, oh, this will probably be coming out end of October. And I said, I was thinking in my mind, who plans their content that far in advance? When I do an interview for my channel, I did one the other day and I said that on Tuesday and I said, oh, it's going up on Thursday. She said, oh, you're so good. That's really fast. And I was like, no, it's because I haven't planned anything else for this week. It's going to have to go up and another person I find very consistent is um, Tamara Howell, who some of your listeners will know. Like, I listen to her and her work ethic, and, like, part of me just wants to shrivel and, like, get all that not good enough stuff come up because that's not me. So I think what you say there about the gold standard, it doesn't have to be this gold standard yeah, version of consistency. Yeah. That's not me. Yeah. And I think, I think that's it. I mean, that's not me either, really. I'm somebody who's... I have moods, so I have moods where I'm a go get it, get it done, getting absolutely loads done, full of creativity, and I can just bang loads of stuff out. And then I have other moods where I can't think of a single thing to say, I don't want to do anything. And the way that I've learned to, to cope with that is to go with the flow. So on the days when I'm full of energy, I'm more likely to do things that are more creative. And on the days where I've got a really, in fact, I did a podcast about this. I'll put a link below somewhere for, for any listeners who want to listen to that. So if, you, if you're full of energy, you know, focus on the things that, you know, you can do at that time, but on, when you're low on energy, then do other things like just messing around on Canva and stuff. So for me, it's about getting to know me, the way that I work, the way that, well, the way that works for me. And that isn't like every Tuesday afternoon, do such and such, because I never know how I'm going to feel on a Tuesday afternoon. I might feel like, you know, fantastic and get loads done, but I might think, well, actually, oh, I can't, so it's a waste of my time. To, it doesn't work for me to say, right, I'm going to do everything on a certain day at a certain time. For other people, it might do. For other people, that might be the best thing ever, but it's not something that works for me. So 
think it's more about learning about yourself, isn't it? Yeah, exactly that. And for me with my channel, I don't release, I try to release a video every week. And for two years, I've done that really consistently. I've maybe missed about five or six and that's okay. That's your YouTube. For anybody who's listening, that's your YouTube channel, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So, but I don't even release my video on the same day every week because I don't know when I'm going to record it. And very much like you, Jane, I know we've spoken about this before off the podcast about how both of us are prone to those kinds of moods. So if I'm in a place where I'm feeling very low on productivity and energy, particularly with something like Instagram, I will find an old post and I will just repurpose that post because I'm just not in that place where I can think up something new. And that being okay, I think people sometimes get stuck with this stuff and this posting regularly because they think every post has got to be brilliant and fresh and new. And it was Harriet Frew, actually, the speaking disorders therapist who said to me, why aren't you repurposing your post? She said, I just repost my posts over and over. And she does, and she gets brilliant engagement mm. on that. Because you put it out again and you put it out six months ago. One, people aren't going to remember. Mm. Two, if they do, quite often they need that reminder. Um, and three, not all of your followers would have been shown it last time because of the way the algorithm works. Yeah, absolutely. So you can either, well, you could use the same picture. I would tend to use a different picture and then maybe just tweak it. But again, that's why recycling of blog posts or repurposing blog posts. So if you write a blog post, don't just leave it to go to sleep and get dusty on your website. Keep looking at it, take take sections from it and turn that into social media posts. So make make life a bit easier for yourself so it's not that you have to consistently think of new things but you have to kind of consistently stay on the ball I suppose. Mm-hmm. What do you think then are the blocks for people around consistency why do you think so many of us struggle with it? It's interesting isn't it I think for me I think I've got in if we think about um if we think about TA right I've definitely got rebellious child as my main thing. I'm rebellious even to myself. So if I tell myself I have to do this by th- every th- every Tuesday afternoon, my rebellious part of me will go, no, not doing that. So there's that. I think as well, there's quite a lot there that's to do with um, procrastination, perfectionism. It's, it's all of the mindset stuff, not feeling good enough. You know, all of those things can stop us from being consistent. But I suppose it really boils down to I think it really boils down to prioritizing the marketing that we do for our business. I think that's one of the things I would say, because I think a lot of people, I think if you're new to business, then prioritizing time for the marketing just feels like such a big task and you don't necessarily know what you want to do or how to do it. So then you can procrastinate over it. I don't know if that's making sense. Do I need to say all that again? (laughs) <laughs> no, not at all. I think I, I wholeheartedly resonate and agree with everything you said. I think another sticking point for me was I was so focused on the outcome, mm. you know. So with the photography, I got frustrated because I didn't feel like I had a natural flair for it. So I gave up very quickly. And it wasn't until I think the big mental shift for me around consistency was starting to value consistency for consistency's sake. Mm. So it being about the process, not the outcome. It's not about whether the post you wrote or the thing you produced was brilliant. It was about the fact that you did it. And you. Yes. when I started congratulating myself, giving myself that pat on the back, just for showing up regularly, 
that in itself became reinforcing and then you develop habits around that as well and habits i think getting something into the habit zone that's what really frees up the mental energy because for you like with the podcast you've been very consistent every week haven't you mm, with yes this. every single week. and now i think when something's a habit you don't negotiate with yourself over it so if you're going to teeth brushing is one of the ones often used examples you're not negotiating with yourself every evening am I going to brush my teeth tonight can I be bothered do I want to do it that you get on and you do it because mm. it's now just a habit and probably the same with the podcasting for you and the podcasting for me now and the YouTube stuff I'm not going oh am I going to do it this week am I not it's what I do now it feels weird not to I think mm. that's when you know when something's a habit it feels weird not to you don't always brush your teeth because you think I'm taking care of myself and I want to look after my teeth. Sometimes you do it because it just feels weird not to. It feels weird to get into bed and it doesn't feel quite right if you haven't brushed your teeth. As part yeah, of your absolutely. Teeth. And I think the other thing about consistency is, and especially when you're first starting out, of course, when you're first starting out, the same as anything, you're learning. You know, you're learning a new skill. You're learning about social media. You're learning about blogging. You're learning about basically how to do this side of having a having a business. And it takes practice. So the more that you do it, the more consistent you are, the more regular that you're doing it, the more regular you're going on social media. It means the more chance you've got of growing and improving and learning and just relaxing into it. Because I think that visibility is something that can really, you know, people, a lot of people struggle with visibility and myself included, to be fair. But again, it's one of those things, the more that you practice it, the more that you do it then the more natural it becomes and the more, it's not even the more confident, but the less terrified that you are about doing it. Mm -hmm. Well, there probably is a level of confidence because I bet those first few podcasts for you, Jane, you felt particularly self-conscious putting yourself out there like that. And if if anyone wants sort of a humbling experience, go and watch my my very first YouTube videos. I look like a rabbit in the headlight and I'm trying to do it in one take because I don't really understand how to edit. Whereas now I can sit in front of the camera and really enjoy myself. I feel really connected to the people that I'm I'm trying to speak to. Yeah. And I, I find it a fulfilling experience just in the creation of it. But it didn't feel like that in the beginning. In the beginning, it felt awkward. I, I tried to do a channel probably about a year or 18 months earlier. And I put a couple of videos up and I just, I, I hated it. And after about a week, I took I took it all down and I closed that channel because I was like, I can't do this. I'm rubbish. And I left it for over a year before I decided to go back and do it again, because I'm really vulnerable to that. If I can't be good at something quickly, I want to just sort of go, well, I'm not going to do it. And if I can't be great at it, like what's the point in doing it? Mm. And that I think is what shifting my attitude to consistency has done. And it, it, it's that kind of earned confidence. You said you're not sure if it's confidence that comes along. But for me, I feel like it was confidence that came through consistency yeah. and through seeing how I could change and develop. Because that's the consistency part. That's how you learn something. If you want to learn an instrument, you have to practice with some consistency, anything like that. And I think, yeah, so I think for me, it was confidence. I did get confidence yeah. through consistency and through seeing those changes. And I think the good thing, really, if you're just starting out with like, you know, social media or blogging or anything, when you first get started, not many people see what you're doing. Like my podcast, when I first started my podcast, there weren't as many people listen to it. So you're kind of cutting your teeth 
where not not many people see it, which is <laughs> which is fantastic. And obviously, you know, action is the antidote to fear. So, you know, the more that you do it, the less fearful that you feel. So, yeah. So I suppose the worst case is something that I that that can really easily happen. And that's kind of, and I, I can identify with this because I'm quite an all or nothing person. But I suppose the worst case really regarding consistency is that, right, I'm going to be really consistent. I'm going to post every day a week and that's it. And you tell yourself you're going to do that. You do it for a couple of weeks, but then it becomes too difficult. You stress yourself out with it. And then you don't post again for like three months. And then you can start this cycle again and go, right, I'm going to really go for it now. Have you ever done anything like that? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, no, I have. <laughs> um, I have. I think in the beginning with Instagram, actually, because it was this novelty thing, I was much more consistent in the beginning than I am now, I would say. Um, and so I have done that. And the thing is, and I've seen other people do it as well, and particularly with social media, the algorithm does punish you for it. So that means that when you do post again, fewer people would see it than if you carry on with the regular posting. And I think that that is the important part, having some kind of regularity. But now I can, I don't tend to go longer than a week without posting, but it, it can, sometimes it's twice a week, sometimes it might be three times a week, sometimes I will go a week without. So there is this up and down so I feel like I've got into this middle ground here with consistency it doesn't have to be this perfect streak but at the moment I'm working through the artist's way with a group of other therapists and we're about halfway through so I think we're around week seven and for anyone not familiar with the artist's way one of the tools that you have to or one of the tasks you have to do is something called morning pages you heard of morning pages yes I do them I do them myself at the moment actually Okay. Yes. But that's an interesting example of consistency with that. So I began sort of doing these morning pages and I would listen to other people and some people would be like, oh, I missed a couple of days or this, that, the other. But in my head, I'm like, I'm on this perfect streak. I'm doing this. And then I had a friend come to stay and it threw me out of my routine. And I had day, the first day in about six weeks where I hadn't done my morning pages. And I felt that original feeling come up with me. It's like, oh, I've blown it. Like I've messed up my streak. And then I was like, no, this is the thinking that's got you in trouble before. It's okay. And consistency for me is about coming back to something. So it's that continuing return. Doesn't mean you don't fall away. Doesn't mean you stay perfect. And I don't even think perfect streaks are necessarily that helpful because sometimes life is disruptive. And if you're holding on to the perfect streak to feel like you're doing a good job, it's really hard to get back into that when you feel like something's broken. So you're kind of saying it's perfectionism then. Yeah, it's these high, it's these expectations that we yeah. have, and and something like morning pages. I don't know how you found it, but it can be quite humbling because some days it just feels like I'm like writing a load of rubbish. I'm, I'm thinking, oh, and it's a chore, and I feel like I don't get anything out of it. But I'm pleased with myself for for showing up. Yeah, and yeah. so I take a moment to acknowledge that, and I don't know that if people are acknowledging the times that they do show up, they're just noticing the times when they've missed it. Yes, yes, absolutely. I'm a big believer in celebrating. Celebrate every little win as much as you can because we've got such a massive critical voice in us, most people, not everybody, I'm sure. There are some people don't have them, but I know I do. Um, and one of the ways to help to silence that is to have a critic, sorry, an inner cheerleader. So if you've got your critical voice, 
have an inner cheerleader to kind of cancel it out. So the more that we can celebrate, the better. And I think that's kind of the problem, isn't it? When you get stuck into this, either of those, either the gold standard of posting every single day, if you drop a day, what happens? And if you're in the other one of like posting, I mean, they're both they're both different sides of the same coin of perfectionism, aren't they? But if you're in the posting full on for a couple of weeks and then, oh my God, it's too much, I can't keep up with it. The result of that is that you can end up really beating yourself up because, oh God, I failed. I should be posting every week. I should be posting every day. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. Other people are doing it. I'm not good enough. This isn't going to work for me. I just don't have what it takes. And that I think is the problem. That's the thing that we really need to protect ourselves with because that's just so unrealistic and that's not the way that I see consistency because I see consistency of is doing your best to post consistently and regularly but the days that you can't it really isn't the end of the world it really you know nothing bad is going to happen if you usually post three times a week and you only post twice you know nothing bad is going to happen so for me i think the most important thing is um having a realistic view of it you know you're in char- in charge of it you know they're not in you know social media isn't in charge of you nobody else is in charge of you but you're choosing to do this because ultimately these are free ways of attracting clients. And it's us just putting some time in, a little bit of time, a little bit of effort to attract the clients to us to do the thing that we want to do. You know, nobody's forcing us to do it. It's our choice. And we need to attract clients to us because otherwise we don't have a business. Um, so it's important to do it. You know, it's it's a free tool that we have, you know, that we can use, you know, to, to help to attract clients. And another thing that I use that I think a lot of other therapists tend to do quite well with is um, some kind of supportive accountability. So I remember when I was training through my MSc to be a psychotherapist, you finish your training and then you have three years to write your dissertation. Well, a lot of people, they think, well, I need a break. Let me take a break and then I'll get back into it. And I, I know myself and I knew that I wanted to carry on. I did not want to take a break. So I found another guy in my class who wants to do the same and we acted as accountability buddies and we set deadlines with each other and we we even made it clear that you had to ask for an extension if you couldn't meet your deadline for some reason and we formalised it and we because my dissertation was 24,000 words. It was a long wow. piece. Yeah. yeah. But when you broke it down into just little sections, it was absolutely doable. It's lots of little sections and it comes together to form this and that worked really well. And I did a similar thing when I wrote the book. I wrote I read my book with another author at the same time and we set each other deadlines. So we were expecting to receive stuff. And that really has really helped me normally with the biggest stuff. I find now I've got much better at being more self-accountable, but sometimes if I'm struggling, I will still call in external accountability. When there was something I wanted to get done not that long ago, um, I spoke to my VA and I said, oh, I want to do this on Thursday. And can you check in with me to make sure that I've done it? <laughs> and how, just knowing that she was going to do that helped me to get it done. And it was such a relief. Um, and I think especially if you get other people that are going through the same thing, I really would love to see more therapists coming together in groups, you know, how I am with my groups um, and supporting one another through these kinds of things that they want to develop consistency with and build their confidence with, which is often the marketing and social media side of things. Yeah. 
I did used to do it in the in my membership actually um, for a while. Like this, um, what did I call it? But it was group working. You know where you come together and you say, right, we're going to work on such and such, and you just do the work. I used to do that for a while, but I think for counsellors, it's quite difficult because everybody works at different times of day. So it was difficult to get a good time for it, but you can, and I can't think what the name is now, but you can do that. You can go and um, meet with people, strangers, and you just basically, you're there for a set amount of time. You just have your Zoom on and you're just working together and just doing that and being focused on it can be really useful but I mean, I find the Pomodoro technique fantastic for that. So if I want to do, like, if I'm struggling, if it's, <laughs> you're shaking your head. I hate, I find it. It, I hate, I hate it. I, I, I really dislike it. <laughs> well, I find it fantastic because it's time limited. So I find if I'm procrastinating, so if I know I want to do whatever it is, I say, right, I'll just do 20 minutes. I'll just do this one Pomodoro and I'll set my my timer and that can just be enough to get me started. But what I do now is I've got Brain FM. I don't know if you've heard of that. Okay. But it's this, um, I've got the paid version. It's not very dear, but basically you put your earphones in and you listen to it. It's scientifically done. So there's music that helps to get you creative. There's music that helps you to do deep work. There's relaxing music. And you listen to the music with your earphones in and it's supposed to, sort, I don't know what it does, some sort of magic, but it's got now to the point, it's like a Pavlovian response. Because if I put my earphones in, but I forgot to, act, I can forget to actually turn Brain FM on and I'll just start working. And I find that that's, that's a really good thing to do. But accountability is great, which is why I like my podcast, because I know it's going to go out every Wednesday and it's got to be done by a certain time and everything's got to be ready. Whereas when I was blogging, I only had myself that was keeping myself to account. And I found that I struggled to keep that that consistency there. So that was, that was I found that a bit of a struggle there. But that Pavlovian response that you mentioned. So for me, there's certain places that if I take myself to, it's associated with work and more importantly the creativity side of work so I wrote I wrote my whole dissertation in the Weatherspoons in Acton <laughs> because you go to a Weatherspoons and it's like it's like it's one witchy pound wine isn't it <laughs> it was coffee but it was one pound fifty for free refills and that's the coffee as well it's really nice coffee and their breakfasts are pretty cheap they used to do nice smashed avocado then they don't do that anymore um and I could go and spend five hours there and I've spent five quid but what it meant was that every time I got in there and I sat down it was that switch in brain gear because so many of us therapists were working from home yeah and so home has all these other associations so now because I'm doing better than when I was a poor student I go to coach I'm, I'm such a coach <laughs> because they're brand- go to the <laughs> well they're, they're brand- one their branches are amazing Two, their seats are comfortable. You get one around the edge and it's proper soft seating. And three, the staff. I mean, the ones near me, the, I go to the Chiswick one, the staff are just, they're amazing. They look after, bearing in mind it's a restaurant. It's not really the kind of place that people tend to just go and work. Um, they just, they come over, they'll check, they'll leave me alone. I don't feel like they're rushing me out. Yeah. But that I feel is quite a London thing. I'd be really interested actually if anyone listening has different experiences elsewhere. I found that when I was living down south for a while, I didn't feel like I could do that because every cafe felt smaller and it felt like they needed tables for other people and I felt like I was holding people up and it just doesn't seem to be the done thing in the same in somewhere like London and maybe other bigger cities to go, 
people will pay for their own offices. Well, this is cheaper to do. Absolutely. Well, I do it all the time. And I'm so glad that, you know, after lockdown sort of stopped and I could start doing it again because I I sit in the same place usually to do my work. And therefore, if I'm having one of those days, I, I, and also working from home, you get so distracted, you know, you hear the washer beep and you think, oh, did I get the sausages out for tea? And you go to the freezer and, you know, these things could just really distract you. I love going out to a coffee shop or a cafe or a pub and just taking a book and and doing some writing. I find it's a great way to get my creativity going. And that I do that consistency. I try to do that once a week. So I do that consistency, which helps my consistency with everything else. So it all kind of adds to each other, really. I mean, what about time blocking? Do you ever do that? So what do you do you mean about planning the time that you're going to do something? Is that what yeah, you mean time blocking? Yeah. Not the same time every week, but I have this thing in my head. I don't know why, that when I record a YouTube video, it has to be in the morning when I get up. I feel like that's when my head is clearest, my thinking's clearest. So I do it before I've had breakfast. And so that means it only gives me Thursday, Friday or a weekend morning to do it because I'm seeing clients Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So quite often I have an idea in my head about which morning I'm going to do my video, but I don't, I don't feel like I do it very far in advance. And for me, it's this sort of vague idea in my head that I'll probably do that at that time. I don't know that I block out time in my calendar uh, specifically for certain tasks. And sometimes it's just because there's a deadline coming up as well. Like yeah. with the podcast, I'll have to find some time to get the editing done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do have a podcast um, actually about time blocking, so I'll I'll put a link to that below as well. But basically it's about just putting something in your diary to to make it so that you've got something to remind you to do that. But one of the things I think can be really helpful and something I see you do so well is is to not deviate from your niche. So when I see you on Instagram, your posts are all about binge eating. You know, everything you do is all about binge eating. So it's like you've you've obviously thought about what you want to say, you've prepared it. So what I'm not seeing is last minute quick quote posts of some random quote that you found about about something. So your posts are quite, um, trying to think of the word, can't think what the word is, but your posts are all to do with your niche. They've got a reason. They're, and I think the good thing about that is that when people follow you, they know what they're going to get. And, and really the point of being on social media or of doing anything is that we are trying to build our audience. We're trying to let people know that what you know, we can help them, that we show them what we do. We we help them through what we do as well. And I think that helps with consistency because if you're clear on what you're going to be talking about, it makes the message more clear. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So I think what was popping into my mind as you were talking, because it's this one thing that I talk about and a friend of mine is like, I don't understand how you do so many videos about this. You're going to run out of stuff at some point. I was like, no, I don't think, I just don't think you ever run out of stuff. But what it means is because it's one thing and it's all I work with is that I think if I was doing something broader and okay, I think right Wednesday, I want to put a social media post out. I have this really broad, like whole load of topics and things I can choose from. And I'm almost like that paralysis of choice. Overwhelm, yeah. Mm, whereas because it's one thing, what often happens is most of my posts are inspired just by a thought. 
that I've had or by something a client has said, not about their story, but about themes. And I often find it seems like some kind of synchronistic thing that one week there'll be this particular reoccurring thing that keeps coming up in sessions. And that's normally where I get my ideas from. So they'll come to me. So one of them, for example, that's come up twice this week and will be one of my next posts is about that moment just before a binge where you go into this, I don't care place. A couple of people have said to me, like, I don't know how to do anything different. Cause in the moment, I really don't care. I don't care about not recovering. I don't care about not binging. All I care about is wanting to eat. And I thought that's an interesting theme because it's coming up. So I already know after I do one on ADHD, that that's going to be the next thing that I do one on, but I'm not very good at planning or writing lists of things. And it would probably be a beneficial thing to start doing. And when you get to a point where people are sending you messages, if you engage a lot with people on social media, they will tell you what posts to do because it, it will be the questions that start coming in. And I remember someone saying to me at some point at the beginning, and I was like, oh, I can't wait for that time. And it's great because <laughs> quite often it's based on what are the questions that people are asking you. And I'll say, well, I can't give out individual, individualized advice on social media, but I'll make a post about it and you can give some general thoughts. Um, so that helps as well, having that niche in that aspect and having your followers tell you what they would like you to talk about. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it does make it so much easier. It really does. Because otherwise there are, there's just too many, too many subjects. There's like literally everything in the world you could possibly talk about. And it, it means that people are less likely to focus on it. I've currently been looking for a, a counsellor and it's really difficult because there are so many people that are saying very similar things that for me to try and find somebody that is going to fit what I need, it, it's almost impossible. And it's just something I think that, um, I think counsellors very often think, right, if I say that I do this thing, it's going to put people off because I don't do that thing. But it really is the other way around. People will be drawn to you like a moth to a flame because they'll mm. see that you really get them and understand them. But I found it really difficult. And I think that having a social media account that you that you use and you're sharing tips and you're sharing thoughts and ideas and letting people see your personality means that when people are looking for a counsellor, and they check out your website and they have a quick look on your social media, then you're going to, people are going to get an idea of who you are and you're going to be a lot more attractive for somebody to go to. Or if somebody sees you on social media and then thinks, right, I'll go and check out the website. So it can be either way, but it, whichever way they find you, they're going to have a lot better idea of who you are. And that consistency just helps that know, like, and trust factor. You know, people buy from or use the services of people that they know, like, and trust. And seeing somebody regularly doesn't have to be, you know, absolute consistency, but regularly posting, sharing things that they're going to find useful or, you know, helpful or even entertaining because your posts, you sometimes do blooper posts, which, which are funny. So, so that's entertaining. So, you, you know, it's okay to put entertaining posts out there as well, but it means that people will see that and they'll, you know, be attracted to that. And I think that that's one of the really good things about social media, the consistency, because you get that no like and trust factor. Do you know what posts do the best? No. It might be similar for you when I say it, I don't know. Especially when it comes to the videos on YouTube more so 
the ones that people are attracted to the most is where I'm sharing my own experience. Uh, yes, exactly. People, people love reels at the moment, which is why I think that I think that could really freak a lot of people out. I mean, it's not something that I've sort of gone into, but people want to see the person behind the picture. So I always say, if you've got, you know, your little picture on your social media and it's your logo, just put a picture of your face on there. It makes a massive difference. People want to know who you are. People want to get a feel for who you are. And, you know, if I'm going to go and sit with somebody and share all of my innermost stuff, it's important to me that I feel that they're likely to get me, that they're likely to understand. And if I see if I see them on social media sharing stuff with their voice, then I'm going to get a really good idea of who they are. So, yeah. Like, I think there's something beyond that when you're actually sharing an experience that you've had when you're telling a story Yes. compared to when you're doing a post where you're giving tips. If you give five tips about something and people read them and maybe they don't like tip number three, they're like, oh, no, no that's, that's not me. You've kind of, you've lost them. It's, it's jarring to be given a tip that you don't like or that doesn't resonate with you compared to when you hear someone speaking about their experience and you hear it in a story, I think it gives you permission to take from it what you need. Yeah. That's what I love about the telling stories part. Yeah. And it's hard to do. And I know that particularly as therapists, you know, there's all these conversations about hey, how much do we self-disclose? And I probably do more self-disclosure than most other therapists that I know. And it does, it does cover a bit of a cost. I think sometimes people think that I find that easy to do because I, maybe it looks like I'm finding it easier to do, but sometimes I feel really raw and vulnerable and exposed. And I think, why did I just do that? And then there'll be a flurry of messages from people telling me how they relate to this or this impact. And when Steph and I released our first episode of our podcast, we both told our stories. And I had, we had a message from one person who said, I listened to that episode one five times because I could not believe there were other people out there who'd gone through what I'd gone through. And there's no advice post that you can do that's going to reach someone like that. Yeah. And that that's why I do it. And that's not me saying that every other therapist should, but I think there might be some therapists out there who would be willing to and maybe might want to, but there, you know, there's some fear around vulnerability or fear around judgment from your peers because I've had it. I've had some pretty not very nice things said. In fact, the most criticism I get for my work is from other therapists. Yeah. They're out there, but they're the criticizers, not not the general public. Yeah. Personal disclosure is a big one. I actually did a two-part blog about it. So I'll I'll link to that as well. But I think personal disclosure is such a big thing. But I think it's less about personal disclosure and more about authenticity, really. Because I think, and it's about finding our own boundaries, because there are times when how can I say this? We don't need to share everything to be able to help people. But we, but it's a, it, it can be useful to just share enough to let people know that, yeah, I, I really do get it. Like you say, you know, they're the times when you get the messages. I, I, can, I hear you as well. It's not for everybody. And I know some people listening to this might be, you know, stuck in their teeth and thinking, oh my God, I can't do that. And I understand that. When I was still counselling, i didn't share anything. I mean, I just, I didn't really share anything at all, but the things that I did share and I kind of accidentally shared, um, when I did, um, blog posts about whatever, 
And I would just kind of say something about when I had depression or something like that, but I didn't do a post about depression. It was just kind of a throwaway. I remember when I had depression sort of thing and people would come to me and I'd sort of, you know, sometimes if I remembered, I'd say, oh, <laughs> what, what sort of made you come to me? And they said, oh, well, you said that you'd had depression. So I knew that you'd understand it. And that happened quite a lot you know, remarkably really. So just sharing the fact that you, you don't have to say the whole details about it, but just letting them know that you do understand, I think makes a remarkable difference. And I think it's so helpful for somebody coming to counselling, knowing that there's somebody there that has that level of understanding. I mean, this, and what we're talking about, just to be clear, this isn't about sharing in the counselling room. That's a completely different thing. Nothing changes there, but just when you're you know, in your marketing and talking about what you do, I, I think it can be incredibly helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually, you know, it might surprise people, but I very rarely share anything in the counselling room. It's not about the information yeah. out there. If people want to go out and find out more about me, that they can do that. They're not yeah. paying me for me to be telling them, oh, well, yeah, my I mean, experience. Well, it's totally inappropriate in the counselling room. As we know, um, it's really inappropriate in the, in the counselling room. It's most not the, the time, place for it. Yeah, most of the time, but really on the majority of the time, it's probably better not, I think. That's that's kind of my opinion. But outside of the counselling room, you have a little bit more wiggle room because you're not directly talking to clients. These people may never be your client, but you may be really helping them. What you say may be really making a difference and helping them. Oh, we've kind of got off the subject of... We had a bit. I was <laughs> just thinking, mate. Oh, goodness. Let's see if we can we rein it back stayed, a little bit. We haven't stayed on the topic very consistently. I know. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> Let's just think if we've got any advice that we can give people to try to... But I think this is a lovely example of what we just did, is that sometimes we move away from consistency and we just bring ourselves back. When we realise we moved away, let's come back and check in with consistency again. Nicely done. Thank you for that. (laughs) See, we meant to do it, really. We're just demonstrating. (laughs) Exactly. But a lot of those themes, because most things that that therapists are struggling with consistency about is probably the marketing side, would you say? Are there any other areas you can think of that, that when the work that you do supporting other therapists where therapists are struggling with being consistent because we're not we're not inconsistent when it comes to showing up to our clients are we we're not like oh maybe I'll go to the session today maybe I won't yeah absolutely it's I think the thing is marketing is sometimes seen as something nice to do rather than vital to do really sometimes um but it needs to be prioritised. And yeah, I think it's it's so much mindset of fears around it, not knowing what to do, not knowing what to say. And that's the sort of thing can really stop that consistency. I think overwhelm as well blocks people from consistency. So if someone, if there's therapists out there and they feel like they're not really doing any marketing and they hear about all these different things, they hear about social media, they hear about SEO and their websites and get their profiles written in a certain way after doing a course, it could feel like so much to do that it's hard to get started. And maybe that's where the time blocking thing that you mentioned, it might be like, okay, just two hours a week, I'm going to do a couple of things in the marketing realm, whether it's just tidy up my website or start writing a website or do one of the free courses out there on like your psychology today profile or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, And chipping away at it in the process rather than this outcome where you arrive where you've done all the marketing things there's always going to be more that yeah. you can do 
So if it feels like you can't get it all done, sometimes that can be quite hard to get started as well, I think. I I think we put ourselves under pressure to sort of instantly know how to do the marketing. And we, we kind of forget that it's a skill to learn. And I think sometimes we can have very unrealistic expectations that you're going to do a course or read a blog or and you're just going to automatically know. I think having um, goals is a really good thing to do. I mean, I've, I'm going to be, um, I do goal setting in the membership and I do very simple goal setting because again, goal setting in, in and of itself can be quite paralyzing, can't it? Depends on your personality type. But I think for most people having, and actually if we take away the word goal, which feels pressured and just have the word focus, I, I do things by quarters. So I'll say that the first quarter in, in 2022, I'll be talking, I'll be, you know, focusing on whatever. And the second quarter, I'll be focusing on whatever. And what I basically do is then spend the, that quarter focusing on the thing. So for example, if you're new to practice, you might say, right, my first quarter, I'm going to start getting clear on my niche and my messaging. And then you might say, right, and then I'm going to start thinking about my website. And you take the whole of the quarter. And the quarter, of course, is three months, 12 weeks, 90 days. And that means that you don't have to do it all now. It gives you time to learn what you need to learn, start putting some things in place. And what we focus on improves. I mean, it's just, and whilst you're doing that, you're just focusing on that one thing. And it means that you're not doing that flitting about from this to that to another so you can consistently focus there you go throwing that word in you can consistently focus on that one thing so that you really start to get some knowledge around that before you move on to another because it's the flitting from one thing to another that really brings on this overwhelm and this overwhelm is just it's just horrible it 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 stops you in your tracks and you don't get anywhere yeah I couldn't agree more so I think that would be a really good piece of advice to leave people with getting some support and accountability if that's something you know benefits you I think is a big part of it and to really recognize that consistency is about showing up not the result yeah it's okay to put b minus work out there heck it's okay to put d work out there (laughs) put something out there and any feedback even if the feedback is not positive it's it's feedback, it's useful information, it's how we learn. We want to get it right the first time. And that's, yeah, that's the pressure that many of us put on ourselves. Yeah. Certainly pressure I've put on myself in the past. Yeah, absolutely. So consistency, really, when it all boils down to it, is finding what works best for you. You know, what's the best sort of consistency for you? Is it that you have a specific day or is it that you work with your moods? And how can you take the pressure off yourself? Because if you beat yourself up about not being consistent, all that happens is that it gets harder and harder and harder to do anything because you just feel worse and worse and worse and tell yourself that you can't do it. And you can do it. You're, you know, you're an intelligent person. You can totally do this. It's just a different skill to learn. So you just need to give yourself time. And one other thing that I think it's worth a mention is please, please, please watch out for that comparison trap because it's easy to look at other people and go well they're doing this that and the other and I would certainly have thought that about <laughs> you James we don't have these conversations where we're like yeah we we have days where we're like we don't get off that sofa and people will say to me you sound busy all the time and I feel I feel like a bit of a, uh, an imposter when people say that to me I'm like they do not see how much doing nothing I actually do but there's 
And I've come to accept that about myself. I used to get really frustrated, but in the doing nothing, I think now that is a regathering of my energy again. So to go through these peaks and troughs, I think is just very, very human. Yeah. And other people might look like they're not going through it. Maybe some of them aren't, but we never know. So to think that we should be more like someone else, I think just puts pushes us further yeah. and further away from consistency, yeah. makes it harder to show up. Yeah, absolutely. I think similar to you, that's something that I've learned lately. I used to really beat myself up if I was having one of those days. I'd tell myself oh, I've not got anything done and you're lazy and you're this and you're that. But now I really listen to myself. And if I'm having one of those days where I just can't, then I just don't. <laughs> I just go and do something else instead because I know that I trust that I'll have another day, maybe the next day, where I'll be on fire again and I'll get loads done. So I think we have to trust ourselves, trust that it'll happen. Yeah, it's still a work in progress because I still yeah. sometimes think that when I sink down into unproductivity that I'm never going to come up again. And, and I struggle with that sense of feeling like I've wasted that time. And I forget all the things that I have done and what I have created. I just think about all the things I could have created in that time. And that is is not not helpful. And yeah, I'm yeah. Working on it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, do you know, Sarah, it's been so lovely talking to you. I could sit and t- I could literally sit and talk to you for the whole day. Maybe we will another day. It's thank you so, so much for coming on. I'm sure I hope that everybody listening has got loads out of that. Can you tell us what's the best way to contact you? And I, did you say that you've got a course coming out? Yeah, so a couple of times a year, I run my working with binge eating CPD weekend for therapists. And the next one is in February. So that's coming up soon. Second weekend in February. There's still a couple of spaces left, I think. I capped that at 11 people because I want, although it's online, I want it to be that interactive workshop because we do a lot of um, reflecting on our own relationship with food as well. So I've got that coming up. And obviously people can find me on Instagram and on YouTube. I'm the binge eating therapist at both. And I've also jumped into the podcasting realm this year or last year now um, and my podcast is Life After Diets and we talk about how to find balance with food and body image if we're not dieting. Perfect and I'll put links to everything below this or around this somewhere. Thank you so much Sarah. Thank you Jane, thank you for having me on, I love coming and talking to you. Oh, well, I always enjoy chatting with Sarah and I hope that that's helped you to alleviate any pressure that you've been putting yourself under to be perfect because it's just not necessary. And be sure to check Sarah out and connect. Remember, she's called The Binge Eating Therapist on Instagram and on YouTube. And like I say, I'll I'll include all the details around this recording somewhere, including details on training for therapists. And while we're on the subject, don't forget to come and connect with me so I'm Jane Travis on LinkedIn so it's Jane without a Y and just search grow your private practice on Instagram and like I say please come and say hi I really love that and remember to click on subscribe so you get all the latest episodes delivered directly to your device so you're not going to miss a single episode so that's it all that's left to say is have an absolutely fabulous rest of the day and I look forward to speaking again soon bye you so much for listening and if you enjoyed this then please subscribe to the show and while you're there i'd love it if you could leave me a big shiny five-star review bye